Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg has conceded his social media platform was wrong to censor reporting of Hunter Biden's laptop ahead of the 2020 election. The reports on Joe Biden's son highlighted concerns about his foreign business dealings, including how he allegedly leveraged his political access. In the final weeks of the 2020 presidential election campaign, those reports were completely censored by Twitter amid concerns from the FBI that the Hunter Biden emails were the result of Russian misinformation. But speaking to podcaster Joe Rogan, Mark Zuckerberg has now expressed regret that Facebook limited sharing of the story via its algorithm. Is the FBI, I think, basically came to us, some, some folks on our team, and was like, hey, um, just so you know, like you should be on high alert. There was the, we we thought that there was a lot of Russian propaganda in the 2016 election. We have it on notice that basically there's about to be some kind of dump of of um, uh, uh, that's similar to that. So just be vigilant. Fewer people saw it than would have otherwise. So it definitely by what percentage? I, I don't know off the top of my head, but it's 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 meaningful. After the 2020 U.S. election, thousands of emails from Hunter Biden's laptop were confirmed as authentic. The president's son is currently the subject of a criminal tax investigation by the U.S. attorney in the Biden's home state of Delaware. The censorship and tutorial complex shadow over 2024. Welcome to Training Tuesday, folks. It's the Rob Maynard Show live on Patriot.tv and our X-Faces simulcast audience. You know, the censorship during the election of 2020 heavily impacts the way American voters think about our society, especially in this another election year. After all, on October 1st of 2020, Facebook suppressed all identified conservative media website links and pages on its platform. I know it from personal experience because my own webpage, robmanus.com, was rocketing to nearly a million views per month after only four months in operation largely through my 200,000 strong follower audience on the Facebook platform. The reality is that after that date, the page has never achieved that level of performance again. The suppression of the facts about our candidates and elevation of false information has become a known factor that the American people should not and do not accept as legitimate. But they're doing it again. And no one with power seems to be doing anything real about it, according to OutKick journalist Bobby Burke. The question is, can we, the people, overcome the lies and suppression of information and elect who we decide is the best candidate? Well, Mr. Burek is my guest today and is here to discuss his latest article about the censorship industrial complex. Bobby, welcome back to the Rob Manus Show right here on Patriot.tv for the first time, new network. Yeah, absolutely. Congratulations to you. I'm happy to be here. And uh, I can't think of a more consequential topic than this uh, now that we are officially in an election year. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, it's uh, uh, it's uh, very interesting uh, to uh, look back now for a few minutes uh, through your article, which is one of the reasons I wanted to get you on here. Because, but we're also we also need to look forward uh, to uh, yeah. the election day in 2024 and what we think is going to happen, you know. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, our first clip uh, kind of uh, fouled up there a little bit, but it's it was about uh, Mark Zuckerberg admitting his censorship uh, of uh, political activity 
especially on the right, uh, and talking about the Hunter Biden laptop uh, and admitting, as you say in your article, that he still believes the FBI is a legitimate institution in the United States, and that's why he acted on their suggestion. I'll, I'll put it, no, I won't say suggestion, on their demand, really, yeah. that uh, that they censor the Hunter Biden laptop story. And they had already started censoring conservatives. They put a message out to everybody on the platform and said, hey, 1 October, your website links may be suppressed if you're uh, you know doing the wrong message. And the wrong message uh, later we found out was conservative messages, you know. Uh, have we seen have we seen any movement in the direction uh, these days away from believing the FBI is a legitimate institution that's going to give you good information about that? Yeah, and look, you you mentioned it. We have to go back about four years to understand what happened. Um, here's what we know. There's a lot that we suspect, can theorize about. Here's what we know definitively. A House Judiciary Committee filing found hundreds of communications and examples of government agencies pressuring Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, etc. to censor factual content, satirical content, and disfavorable content that disproportionately benefited Democrats. So what we have there is government agencies subverting the First Amendment, which prohibits them from censoring ordinary Americans, strong-arming social media services ahead of an election to influence votes on behalf of Joe Biden. That is a constitutional crime and something that ought to be investigated, and the people involved ought to be accountable to the highest order. They haven't been. What else do we know? Facebook and Twitter censored the credibly reported Hunter Biden laptop expose by the New York Post. Now, I know we've all talked about that ad nauseum, but there are statistics that say one in six Biden voters would have voted differently had they been aware that report was either existed or real. So you combine that right there, and you have clear manipulation and interference from social media and the government to help Joe Biden win the election. That is, by definition, election interference. So I ask, Republicans are well aware of what happened. What have they done to prevent it from happening this year? They haven't done anything. And you'd be a fool to not think censorship, industrial complex, Facebook, YouTube, those agencies won't do it again because they did it last time, they got away with it, and they got their desired result. Yeah, exactly right. And, you know, you, you touched on on the just that uh, that that they admit it. You know, I, I mean, it's they admit it. It's not a secret. Uh, and the folks on the right, I don't I don't like using the term right. Those that still believe in the Constitution and America, and that are probably going to vote for Donald Trump in 2024, like they did in 2020. Uh, and a few others, because there are a lot of people not happy with Joe Biden, uh, those folks, the, the factual information that gets to them about the candidates has got to be on a level playing field. Uh, and, and I've done show after show. This is not the first show you've done with me about this subject over yeah. the last five years. 
uh, and I've done shows with uh, Jason Fick, who has got uh, gone all the way to the Supreme Court about Section 230. Uh, it wasn't even politically re related. It was related to something else that Facebook did. Uh, and they continue to get this almost blanket li uh, liability protection at these big tech, big tech platforms. And I, I don't see a, a way, a pathway for them to bring themselves back from this brink. Actually, we're, we went over the edge of the brink, actually, in 2020, in my opinion. I think yeah. Donald Trump, the more I see of the facts, the more I believe that he probably won that election. It was only by 45,000 votes. It wasn't wasn't very many votes uh, right. when the bottom line came down to it, you know. So, uh, so, so what do we see from the perspective of the people on the left? Do they really believe that it's okay, or the, do they not acknowledge it, uh, or what? Because it seems as if they're okay with everything because their side is being helped. Yeah, and... I like how you phrase that. It's not left versus right per se. It's people who believe us, the voters, shouldn't decide if Donald Trump should return to the White House, right? That's the catalyst behind all of this is certain groups of people have made it their moral duty to take that right away from us because they hate Donald Trump so much. They believe they're doing a service by trying to disallow him from a fair election. Um, so I don't think they care if it's right or wrong. As I conclude my column, their desire is onefold. Make sure Donald Trump does not win the election at all costs, constitutional or not, legal or not. And that's exactly what they're doing. Um, they don't have any shame because all they care about is making sure we the people don't decide if Donald Trump is victorious this time around like he was in 2016, like you and I believe he was in 2020. And that's a really scary thing because we hear so much about threats to democracy. By definition, taking the votes out of the people's hands, um, manipulating the information they have, that's an actual threat to democracy. And I don't think the media is covering it nearly enough. Uh, it, it's the absolute destruction of the Democratic Republic, formerly known as the United yeah. States of America, man. That's what it is. Let, let's go over to our Spaces audience. We've got a hand up over there, and our, our host is uh, Shell, uh, and CS is the other host over there. Uh, but, guys, go ahead. Uh, question for Bobby or me. Uh, see the hand up. Go ahead, Webb. Hey, guys. Thanks, Colonel. Uh, I see the – the vast majority of the folks that are uh, on the left, I know we're trying, we're trying to avoid left and right, but the vast majority of the folks voting in that direction, they agree with much of what we have to say, but they're in this like team spirit mindset of they want their team to win. No matter what, no matter how bad the team is, they're going to root for their team. And, and, and I don't know how to break folks of that mindset of 
stop voting for your team if your team is really bad. It's not. It's not a ball game. And what do you guys have to say about that mentality? That that at least I personally am seeing from the people that I'm talking to. They are primarily agreeing with me that things suck, but they're not going to change the way they vote because that's their team. That's a great question. So, man. Sorry, what, is your name? what is your name? With um, uh, WIB. Yeah, so are you a sports fan? I used to be a much bigger sports fan, but sports has kind of left me. Right, so the reason I ask is you bring up a good analogy. So if you go to a sports bar and people are invested in their team, you're absolutely right. They don't care if the ref makes a bad call in their favor or if the refs just blatantly mistakenly help them, they just want to win. But if it happens the other way, they're outraged. And that's what's happening here, right? So I love your analogy that those people, we can call them whatever we want, because they're getting their desired outcome, they don't care that it's not fair. But if it were to happen the other way around, there would be quite a reaction. How do we know this? Is Because when Elon Musk took over Twitter, now called X, and he started to level the playing field, you had a lot of people in the corporate media and Hollywood feign outrage saying this cannot happen, but they said nothing for the five, six years it was happening towards conservatives. So as long as the people in charge, which in this case is government agencies and big tech leaders are getting the result they want, they're not going to care. And you ask, how do you get people to understand right or wrong? At the point, they're not going to because Hating Donald Trump, it's like a religion to them. It means everything to them. It's like NFL football fans sometimes when their team isn't in the yeah. Super Bowl. They're going to go one way or the other. It's a great analogy. Well, we got to take our first break, Bobby. When we come back, though, we'll, we'll see a little video clip of just how bad it was for Facebook censorship of politicians and politics and just average citizens that had a conservative message, message uh, right here on the Rob Manus Show of Patriot.tv with Outkicks, Bobby Burak, uh, talking about the censorship industrial complex. We'll be right back. The world is about to shift. Banks are going cashless globally with the emergence of central bank digital currency, which will bring with it programmable money and the ability to turn on or off your purchasing power based on your digital social profile. It's like the equivalent of spyware in your bank account. You need to get out of the system with the world's safest and most private assets, silver and gold. Call Kirk Elliott, Ph.D. at 877-547-5743. That's 877-KIRK-PHD. After this new algorithm was implemented, uh, that there was a tremendous bias against conservative news and content and a favorable bias towards liberal content. Was there a directive to put a bias in? And first, are you aware of this bias that many people have looked at and analyzed and seen? Congressman, this is a really important question. There is absolutely no directive in any of the changes that we make to have a bias in anything that we do. To the contrary, 
Our goal is to be a platform for all ideas. Do you subjectively manipulate your algorithms to prioritize or censor speech? Congresswoman, we don't think about what we're doing as censoring speech. I think that there are, there are types of content like terrorism that I think that we all agree we do not want to have on our service. Why is Facebook censoring conservative bloggers such as Diamond and Silk? Facebook called them unsafe to the community. That is ludicrous. They hold conservative views. That isn't unsafe. What's your response to... Congressman, in that specific case, our team made an enforcement error, uh, and we have already gotten in touch with them to reverse it. How does Facebook objectively determine what is acceptable news and what safeguards exist to ensure that, say, religious or conservative content is treated fairly? There's an issue of content discrimination, and it's not a problem unique to Facebook. There's a number of high-profile examples of edge providers engaging in blocking and censoring religious and conservative political content. In November, FCC Chairman Pai even said that edge providers routinely block or discriminate against content they don't like. This is obviously a serious allegation. How would you respond to such an allegation, and what is Facebook doing to ensure that its users are being treated fairly and objectively by content reviewers? Congresswoman, the principle that we're a platform for all ideas is something that I care very deeply about. I am worried about bias, and we take a number of steps to make sure that none of the changes that we make are targeted at, at, in any kind of biased way. Welcome back to the Rob Maynard Show here on Patriot.tv Live with uh, Bobby Burek from Outkick.com talking about his latest article and how the censorship industrial complex is casting a shadow over 2024, uh, which really means that long shadow is extending over that election day come November. It's already, you could see it in the primaries, you know. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, we didn't get the video up, but you know, it's Zuckerberg admitting that when they censored Diamond and Silk uh, for uh, for their political speech on Facebook, they took their account down completely uh, with millions of followers because they were pro Donald Trump and conservative who had a conservative message. And he finally admitted that Facebook was wrong for doing that. But you know, Bobby, I think Facebook's continuing to do these policies. Uh, I go back to my own website uh, and my fan page, which has 205,000 fo direct followers, uh, and uh, I can't reach uh, more than three or 400 at any given day with a political message. Now, if I put a meme up with a picture on it and some words from like uh, uh, Socrates or something, I can reach 30 or 40,000 people. It's the right one uh, in less than 24 hours, but not anything to do with the message uh, of my speech. Yeah, so I want to go back because what you described is Facebook acting like a publisher and not a platform. And why do those terms matter? Because that's entirely what Section 230 is about. So Facebook and all the social media giants are not liable for what's posted on their services because they claim, well, other people post that stuff we are not making editorial decisions, right? If Facebook and Twitter and YouTube are making editorial decisions, they would fall under a publisher where they would be liable by the law. But the problem is they are acting like a publisher because 
by deciding that Diamond and Silk or Rob Manis or the Daily Wire, that their content is not allowed, that's Facebook not acting as a platform but making editorial decisions which should make it where they are liable and not protected under Section 230. That's why I'm so frustrated with Republican lawmakers for not taking this fight more seriously because what they are doing, they should not legally be able to do. And that's the difference, yeah, okay. by the way, of being a private company because you can say, well, mm -hmm. they don't have to abide by the First Amendment. Correct, except when yeah. you can prove communications with the government, which would turn Facebook into a state actor, which does have to abide by the First Amendment. So there's a lot of legal loopholes here that Facebook is benefiting from that they shouldn't. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, going back to my friend Jason Fick, who I've had on the show three or four times over the last five years, uh, you know, his case has been thrown out uh, several times, uh, dismissed, uh, uh, you know, with a couple of uh, decisions that have left loopholes that allowed him to get up to the Supreme Court, uh, and they granted cert on that case and should be hearing it. Uh, at least his case is tied to another one now that they granted cert on, I believe. But it's all about Section 230's liabilities being misapplied when you read the law, uh, you know, because uh, and the actors, as you mentioned, like Facebook acting like a publisher, but being treated like a social media platform under that law uh, and that misapplication of it. Even even then, it's misapplied uh, with this total immunity from any recourse, like, for instance, as an average American, you know, RobManus.com has, lo has lost over 150000 maybe even a quarter of a million dollars in revenue that it would have probably earned yeah. uh, based on the data we were seeing on October 1st of 2020. I should be able to sue those guys for their actions because of two things. Number one, they're acting like a publisher, but also they're acting at the behest of a U.S. government agency's requests to suppress political conservative speech of all types, and, it, yeah. it, and, and they should be held accountable as an agent of the government for violating the First Amendment, shouldn't they? I mean, it's too cold, Absolutely. Right? So, Rob, you're right. They've cost you a lot of money. So imagine a scenario where some government agency is saying, well, we're not going to allow Rob Manis to make money. We're going to limit and bury his reach. You would have a strong First Amendment case because they're violating your free speech rights. So all that's happening here is they're strong arming a third party, as in Facebook, doing to you what the government can't legally do. There are supposed to be laws against that, and I believe there are, according to a Wall Street Journal legal analysis, but nobody's suing and nobody's doing anything about it. And that's my point, right? My issue with conservatives is that they do a lot of complaining, a lot of it's valid, they don't do a lot to fix it, and this needs to be fixed because four years later, nothing has been done about it, and I'm relatively confident that they're going to try to rig this election for Biden once again, whether or not it sways the election to his victory. That I don't know, but they're going to try. Oh, they absolutely are. I mean, that's, that's the 
that's the whole idea, you know, on the political side. When I talk to people in the campaign or, or, or just volunteers, I tell them, you have to get every person that you is in your sphere of influence physically to fill out a ballot and get it in, in re, any means necessary, by any means necessary, uh, as long as you follow the law. Uh, and, and there are states where you can do ballot harvesting. You know, California is one of them and everything. Yeah. And we ought to be out there, uh, you know, harvesting as many Republican voting ballots as we possibly can and finding those independents and those Democrats that are, uh, that are willing to flip. And there are a lot of them uh, because that's the only way we can overcome this cheat. Uh, you know, I mean, because it was a big cheat. If he got 81 million votes, that was a really big cheat even though they only won by about 45,000 votes in 2020. That was a big cheat. Let's go over to the Spaces audience. We've got some hands up over there. Uh, and before I take that question, I just want to add my two cents to the question that we had before the last break. And over the weekend, I, I met with my 86-year-old aunt, who's my dad's older sister, uh, grew up in the 30s and 40s. Her dad, my grandfather, was a farmer and everything. And she doesn't like my politics. She she met with me and the initial thing was i love you but i don't like what you're doing you're trying to tear down the country and i started asking her questions like hey you know what do you mean by that and she started saying well you know the democrats uh, fdr gave us social security and the republicans are trying to destroy it and they gave us medicare and the republicans are trying to destroy it and y'all are nothing but big corporate people and i looked at my aunt and i said aunt alice let me tell you what those democrats don't exist anymore uh, and I talked for a few minutes. She let me explain to her what I meant. And before I left the meeting, she said, you know, if you were running again, I would vote for you. You know, but that's what we have to do to get people convinced is just sit down with them one on one and just tell them like it is and tell them the truth. Well, let's go over to the Spaces audience and take some hands. Go ahead, Michelle. All right. We've got our co-host. Yes. Go ahead, CS. Hey, thank you so much. Let's put it like this. I mean, after everything that I've seen in my time in the government, what I think is amazing is that Facebook he turns around and it's almost like a three-pronged attack. We have the average American citizen that they post something on social media and all of a sudden they've been flagged, they've been banned, take this down, and then we'll let you use your, your account again. Now, mind you, the people that turned around and make social media successful are now being surveilled. They're being uh, banned, they're being censored, and then you have the other prong attack where they're attacking individuals such as Colonel Manis or let's say Joe Rogan or so many others, and they're being censored. But then you have them doing what I consider to be one of the most dangerous things, and please correct me if I'm wrong, because now you have them turning around and censoring organizations such as Newsmax, such as Fox News. Now, even though Fox News is a big corporate news uh, agency, other age, smaller ones, such as Newsmax, are, are being hit even worse. And because of that, that's almost like a socialist thing because now you're trying to actually silence the opposing press. You're trying to not just suppress them, but basically defame them, uh, censor them. Everything is seeming, and I, it may sound like paranoia, but the fact of the matter is that Newsmax is not as big as it should be because of the censoring that has been happening within social media. Now, what's really, uh, to me, just as concerning is that a law enforcement agency such as the FBI 
who should never have been considered an intelligence agency, they're continuing the work of J. Edgar Hoover because J. Edgar Hoover was one of the ones that actually censured the American people. They were spying on individuals and they were actually omitting invaluable information so the American people basically lived a very ignorant life. And that is continuing to this day, thanks to Mark, Mark Zuckerberg, Facebook has become an arm of the FBI, thus leaving the American government clean and clear to say, we're not censoring anybody. We're not violating any, anybody's constitution. Oh no, we, we here in Washington, D.C., we're squeaky clean, which we all know is just a bold-faced lie. Now, as far as the previous election is concerned, a lot of uh, information that the American people should have known was denied them. And because of that denial, all kinds of havoc was being wreaked. Why? Because one group was saying, this guy's a crook. Another group was saying, no, this guy's a crook. Well, somewhere in between, we've got to figure this out. And why are we thinking that everybody's a crook, even though most politicians are crooks? And that's the fact of the matter. Something is missing here. And that's one thing that was missing was the truth being known by everybody equally. I mean, is, is it far-fetched for me to say all that? Well, I, I can't disagree with you, Bobby. Go ahead. No, I think that was really well said, all of it. Um, and I like how you brought up Newsmax being suppressed by social media, because this is important to remember. Um, Rob, what year did you first vote for the, in, for the presidential election? Uh, uh, Ronald Reagan's first win, so it would have been, uh, what, 1980, 79, and then he took office in 80. Yeah, so a lot of information at that time was distributed through newspapers, sometimes, you know, as you go on, local radio, national radio in the 90s, early 2000s, cable news from 1990 to 2020. That was much harder for the government to interfere with, right? They couldn't really strong arm the newspapers or they didn't need to strong arm the cable network because they both had their own. Um, radio, they're never able to do because of Rush Limbaugh, Sean Hannity, but they're able to do it with the tech agencies. And it's fair to say that tech is going to have a bigger influence on this election than any election prior because that's the case every new election. More and more people turn to the Internet. And that's what's changed in all of this is that the Internet has allowed the government to intercept information that they couldn't do prior via other media avenues, be it newspapers, radios, or televisions. Um, so that's, we can't forget that here, that the change has been the medium, and that's why I encourage lawmakers and people to fight back, because this has allowed the government to have more power over the distribution of information than that, honestly, they probably ever had. Absolutely right. Uh, you know, and uh, we got to take our, our next break, Bobby, but when we come back, we'll, we'll see that the corporate media, the legacy media, uh, is also an arm of the United States government now. I'm Rob Manus, uh, talking about the censorship industrial complex's shadow over 2024 with Bobby Burek of Outkick.com. We'll be right back after these messages. When I grow up, I want to work for a woke company. 
like super woke. When I grow up, when I grow up, I want to be hired based on what I look like rather than my skills. I want to be judged by my political beliefs. I want to get promoted based on my chromosomes. When I grow up, I want to be offended by my coworkers and walk around the office on eggshells and have my words policed by HR. Words like grandfather, peanut gallery, long time no see, no can do. When I grow up, I want to be obsessed with emotional safety and do workplace sensitivity training all day long. When I grow up, I want to climb the corporate ladder. Just by following the crowd. I want to be a conformist. I want to weaponize my pronouns. What are pronouns? It's time to grow up and get back to work. Introducing the number one woke-free job board in America, redballoon.work. The 2024 battle for the White House took President Biden to Valley Forge, Pennsylvania Friday. What's Trump done? Where he went after former President Trump for his role in the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol. He promised it would be wild, and it was. He told the crowd to fight like hell, and all hell was unleashed. It was among the worst derelictions of duty by a president in American history. Campaigning in Iowa, Trump leads the field for the Republican nomination by double digits. By delivering a massive victory in Iowa, you'll send a thundering message to crooked Joe Biden. But his opponents argue Trump's history is a distraction or a danger. Donald Trump has said that he wants to be a dictator. If Trump is the nominee, the election is going to be about legal issues, criminal trials, and January 6th. Trump faces primary ballot challenges in multiple states, arguing he's constitutionally ineligible. On Friday, the Supreme Court said it will take up a Colorado case and answer the question quickly. The court really had no choice uh, but to take this up, and I would not be surprised if they rule, perhaps unanimously, that the Colorado Supreme Court got it wrong. The decision could come by the end of February. Until then, Trump will stay on the ballot in Colorado. Bradley Blackburn, CBS News, New York. Welcome back to the Rob Maynard Show on Patriot.tv. And we're live here with OutKicks, Bobby Burek, and talking about his article about the censorship industrial complex's long shadow over the 2024 election. That's just a short clip uh, showing the media and how it's characterizing and taking messages from politicians and and completely characterizing them in opposition to this man named Donald J. Trump, no matter who it is, whether it's a Republican candidate or, or a Democrat uh, or some pundit somewhere, uh, they're completely uh, uh, shaping that message in the hopes that they can uh, keep him from winning this election. Uh, but the polls, Bobby, are not really indicating that it's having a whole lot of effect. It may actually be boomeranging on all these government entities, the Department of Justice, uh, the media, uh, the legacy media types and everything, because maybe the truth is getting out. Well, so I follow um, the betting market a lot. People say, well, who cares about that? Remember, the betting odds in the United Kingdom were more accurate in 2016 and 2020 than the um, polls. And Donald Trump is a larger favorite over Biden in the betting market than he has been since I started tracking these odds, say, in November of 2022. So Donald Trump does have a lot of momentum. So one of two things could happen. Either 
it could be what you said, that people are aware of the lies, they're aware of the ruse, and they're getting their information elsewhere, or it's going to encourage the people behind the scenes to rack up the censorship that much more. And I fear it's going to be the latter because they've done everything to try to prevent Donald Trump. They arrested him, indicted him, impeached him, raided his home. So they're not going to stop at anything because this is all they care about, right, is making sure he doesn't make it to the White House. And I love your intro because the legacy media is just as complicit in this as tech. I, I couldn't believe after the Iowa caucus, CNN, which claims to be a news outlet, they cut Donald Trump's victory speech short, saying they couldn't air it because he was spewing anti-immigration rhetoric. No, he wasn't. He was explaining how he was going to combat illegal immigration, which polls say was the number one concern among Iowa caucus goers. That reeked to me of CNN knowing that Trump's immigration message was a winning message. So instead of showing their viewers that, they cut it off and then deceptively paraphrase what he says. I mean, that is rotten journalistic ethics all the way around. Oh, it absolutely is. And, and every poll now is showing that, uh, that the southern border security and the yeah. invasion is the number one issue by many, many points, even over the economy, which is very unusual. Uh, you know, and uh, I, I don't know if you saw it, but NBC and MSNBC uh, didn't even air his comments at all. And they actually admitted that he is not going to be allowed to air uh, live on our stations and networks because we believe, uh, you know, he's all, you know, orange man bad all Trump bad all the time, et cetera, et cetera. I don't remember exactly what they said, but but he's just a terrible person and he's going to be a dictator. He's yeah. it's going to be the end of elections, to paraphrase uh, Rachel Maddow, who I thought was a smart person at one point, regardless of her politics, but she doesn't act like it uh, anymore, man. Well, let's go over to uh, the Spaces audience. We've got some more hands up. Uh, uh, go ahead, Joe. All right, we have Bill Elmore, sir. <clears throat> Colonel, I loved your story about talking to your aunt, and this is what I've been trying to get across to people here on X when I do spaces, that we've got to look at these folks like they're our family, right? Mm -hmm. You can't look at them as the enemy and, you know, to, to try to win them over. You've got to focus on what we all agree on. We love our children, right? We love our country. We want um, a, a better future for our children economically and safety-wise than, you know, what we've had. And if you can look at the other person as a human, especially when you're on social media, yeah. then you're more willing to bridge the gap. And we got to set aside our differences. We know the things that they'll never agree with us on, so let's not bring those things up. Let's focus on what we, we do agree on. And uh, I agree with you that the, the hottest topic on everybody's mind, no matter who you are, whether they're willing to say it or not, is what's happening at the southern border and who are we allowing in this country and how dangerous is that for our families and for our country? <sighs> yeah, great, uh, great comments. You know, I mean, it, 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 as a national security person, I mean, that's my profession, my past profession for many decades. You know, when I think about them truncating his message about border security and the illegal alien problem and, and those kind of things. The, 
the word dangerous comes to mind. It's dangerous that we have a legacy media in this country that's willing to to destroy their own credibility in opposition to the First Amendment of the United States, which I believe guarantees the right of a free press, if I remember correctly, is one of the five uh, rights in there, right? Correct? You know, uh, that, that, that's number one. But two, dangerous in the sense that the man that was the commander-in-chief, Bobby, he was the president of the United States. He didn't. Do, he never took one step that these people say he's going to take. I mean, there was one policy decision he made that I totally disagreed with that was anti-constitutional, and the courts overturned it later, as I said they would. Uh, but other than that, uh, you know, the person that's in the office and administration that's backing him up right now uh, are completely the opposite of what Donald Trump was, and they're the ones. It's dangerous to put the facts about Social Security behind a, a thick curtain so that the American people can't see it. I'm amazed that I continue to hear these things. Go ahead, sir. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you in um, the border being ahead of the economy, and I've seen those same studies, really astounding to me. And that's what that's why I find the censoring of Trump's message on immigration all that more destructive because the American people want to hear that, and the news networks won't let them hear what they want to hear from the leading Republican candidate. And based on a lot of polls, the favorite to win the general election that should never happen under any circumstance. But I want to raise another point. Um, about discourse and left versus right. Um, where I do think Republicans need to focus more on this time around is the culture war. And I know that can be a dirty phrase that people say it's a distraction. I completely disagree. As Andrew Breitbart put succinctly, politics is downstream from culture. Dr. Phil laid it out. Politics change by terms. Culture lasts generations. And we saw with DEI and the trans issue, those are also topics that really hit home, right? Part of Governor DeSantis's rise during COVID when he was at the height of his popularity was because he fought back in American culture, eventually taking the fight to Disney. So while the border and the economy are priorities one and two, I think culture has to be three because what the left wants in culture, which is dismissing gender and turning us into pawns based on our race is a really consequential phenomenon that if we don't stop, is going to destroy the foundation of this society where we're re-ranked based on our sexual orientation and gender, and that cannot happen. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, this is, this is cultural Marxist strategy. Uh, yeah. uh, what, it's, it's all critical theory. You know, and critical theory is intended to divide a population uh, against itself, to weaken it, if, especially if it's a strong uh, population like the United States has been for many, many uh, decades now, uh, and is seen as, uh, as something that's an impediment to the success and growth of your own uh, entity, whether it's a nation state or, or Al-Qaeda, uh, so to speak. Mm -hmm. so, so this Marxism... Uh, uh, the gender theory is just critical theory. It's intended to uh, divide us. The interesting thing is, uh, is that the, that particular leg of the theory 
you know, the idea is behind critical theory initially was to take men out, you know, masculinity, oh, toxic masculinity, all of that stuff. Yeah. So that's been ongoing for a long time. But now this gender uh, theory is attempting to take women out using men saying they're women. That is uh, that is an amazing dual track approach using critical theory that I didn't quite expect. And it took me a while to figure it out. But that's exactly what they're doing. They've crushed masculinity, especially white male masculinity, but it applies to all men. Uh, and now they're using those men that they've crushed to go after women, real women, not the fake ones. Yeah. OK. Yeah. Uh, and, and tear them down in society. Uh, even their sports, you can't even compete in sports as a woman anymore, fairly, under this theory. And it's really dangerous. I mean, this has really uh, increased the level of effort from the 1960s where they were trying to divide the black population from the white population and cause internal strife while we were trying to legally fix it with the civil rights laws and those kind of things. Uh, now yeah. you have a four or five faceted approach to this thing. In his entire business and power struggle behind that, um, I had a column in September that that delves into the human rights campaign, which, remember, originally formed, it became the most powerful gay rights lobbyist in Washington. They gained power, fame, and fortune by advocating for gay marriage. But once gay marriage was legalized, those lobbyists still had donors to appease. They couldn't just celebrate and go home. They had to pivot. So they pivoted toward the strategy that trans people are suppressed and need help. And there's a whole financial industry behind that, um, including gender mutilation and donations and power in Washington. And what happens here is you look at the hierarchy of victimhood, which pretty much determines your success in 2024. See, gay people and women at one point were high on that pyramid. They're now pushed way down in favor of trans people who now sit atop that pyramid. Of course, straight white guys are at the very bottom, but it's really about power and weaponization and women are no longer valuable to those people. So they're being traded out and pushed away in favor of quote unquote women, meaning men who call themselves women and now infringe on women's athletics and whatever else they do, dress up as women like Dylan Mulvaney. Yep. And the censorship industrial complex is a key part Same of thing. how that, that rot is invading every one of our institutions and rotting them from the inside, including the Department of Defense, unfortunately. Well, we've got to take our last Bobby, uh, but we'll be right back. And you'll see Rand Paul uh, do some revealing with old Mayorkas there about uh, DHS's censorship operation when we get back. I'm Rob Manus, Patriot.TV Live. What if this happened to you when you're alone? Or what if it happened here? With MedGuard Alert, you're never alone. You can connect with medical professionals anywhere, anytime. And now MedGuard is introducing our exclusive new CareWatch. If you need help quickly, use it from anywhere to contact medical professionals. No cell phone required. The CareWatch is not only a life-saving medical alert device, it's a revolutionary health monitoring system that checks your blood pressure, heart rate, oxygen saturation, 
duration, and much more. And here's the best part. If you have Medicaid, you may qualify to get your Care Watch for free. The Care Watch is only available through MedGuard Alert. Call us right now. We have monitoring programs starting as low as a dollar a day. The call is free. Activation is free. Shipping is free. And no contract is required. Remember, with Medicaid, you may qualify to get your Care Watch for free. Don't wait. Call us to get your Care Watch right now. Operators are standing by. You've never had any meetings with the social media companies to discuss content moderation. What we have done in the past, Ranking Member Paul, as I shared with you previously, is we, along with other federal agencies, have met with social media companies in a public-private partnership to speak of the threats to the homeland so that those companies are alert to them. Do you, we think, do a threat, do you think a threat to the homeland is a discussion of vaccine efficacy? I, I do not, uh, a Ranking Member Paul. And if, I you, say, if you'll uh, have your staff read, and I think it would be good for you to read also the Missouri versus Biden case, it lists time and time again discussion of constitutionally protected speech that has nothing to do with national security. So when you say you didn't meet to do with that, yes, you were meeting, you just disagree with the characterization of it. Were you meeting with social media companies to discuss content moderation? And your answer to that is no. Um, what I, my answer that, is, That's the I, specific question. Did you meet with them and were you meeting with them to discuss content on the Internet? My answer remains the same, Ranking Member Paul, that we met on a periodic basis with other federal agencies and a group of social media companies to speak with them about the threat environment that the homeland faced. Right, and this includes discussion of vaccine efficacy, mask efficacy, Hunter Biden's laptop. Are these meetings still occurring? Um, uh, Ranking Member Paul, they are not. We, we do not participate in any such And meeting. the reason the meetings aren't occurring is because a federal judge placed an injunction on you and the Biden administration acknowledged that they're not having the meetings. So you at least acknowledge that the court is talking to you about this and saying what you were doing was violating the First Amendment. Welcome back to the Rob Maida Show. We're talking with Bobby Burek from Outkick.com about his article about the long shadow of the censorship industrial complex. And I think Senator Paul brought it out in spite of Mayorkas' lies and attempts to obfuscate uh, uh, the situation and the truth that, in fact, they were doing it. As a matter of fact, they were not only doing it, they were acting on it and violating the First Amendment. The courts even saw it, Bobby. And, uh, uh, and Mayorkas says they're not doing it anymore, but I bet you 20 bucks they found a way to surreptitiously get that job done. Yeah, and we know that the relationship between some of these agencies and tech companies continued after 2020 because the Biden administration has admitted it. Um, two years ago, before Jen Psaki moved on to MSNBC, she talked about during a press conference how the White House had been flagging posts to Facebook that it deemed disinformation. Then a week later, we found out that hundreds of COVID posts on Facebook were removed, suppressed, or censored. And the study, again, found that it disproportionately benefited the Biden administration. There was also that internal document leak that showed 
one of Biden's COVID response leaders, his name escapes me, Andy something, he was in constant communication with tech leaders urging them to bring down Alex Berenson, who had been openly questioning the effectiveness of mRNA vaccines. And what happened? Well, you add up the timeline a few months later, Twitter under old ownership kicked Alex Berenson off the platform. So the relationship between these entities has continued. And of course, it's continuing now. We saw during Twitter files last year that the government agencies and deep state were presumably, they were pressuring Twitter to bury content from Charlie Kirk and Dan Bongino because they labeled it dangerous. So conservative influencers can't even express their opinions now, but people like Rachel Maddow and Joy Reid can continue to push lies regarding Donald Trump and Russia from 2016. I mean, the double standard here is so rich, and the fact that nothing has been done about it is just infuriating. Yeah, one of the things that really bothers me, and I'm glad you brought it out, is that uh, is that the left is able to continue to push lies, and the algorithms support it. That's the real yeah. egregious yeah. action here uh, by the big tech companies. Once you get beyond the suppression of, of one side, it's the algorithms are showing that fake content from the left to more people all the time because they have programmed them to do that and that is a very dangerous situation, whether you're talking elections, pandemics, national security, war, any of it. We cannot allow that to happen in this country. Well, let's take one last question from the Spaces audience. We've still got a hand up over there. Uh, go ahead, Shell, with our uh, audience member. Caroline for Congress, sir. Well, thank you so much. I'm so glad to, that I was able to make the show today. Great show. And by the way, Jason Fink's one of my favorite people. He's here in Pennsylvania with me. So not at the present time, but he's here in Pennsylvania, yeah. and I'm proud to have some of the best Pennsylvanians around me. So um, we hear all the time, it's local, it's local, it's local. And and so so is our, our Facebook and our next door, believe it or not. They have got control of that. They've got full control of that, those two platforms. And they give it a false... Um, false uh, temperature, okay? So it's really important that we go out into our communities and get a real temperature on the condition of our community and we get a true understanding of it And because uh, we can't afford to assume anything. And I think we need to use those platforms anyway. And we gotta do it quickly to overcome the deficit. So it's a benefit to us. Do you agree that we should do that? And do you think that that's possible? Go ahead, Bobby. Yeah, can you rephrase that question? I'm sorry, I don't quite understand the question. Okay, so locally, okay, everything's controlled locally. Yeah. People say local, local. Well, even at my local right. level, Facebook and like Nextdoor app is mm -hmm. completely controlled, okay? It, it's totally controlled. Right. And But I think we should be using it anyway. I think we need to just go ahead and overcome it. I think that we actually just have to do the work and use it anyway. Do you think so? Yeah, I do. And I think um, the point you're making, too, is that don't just leave Facebook and Instagram and all of that because it's rigged against you. As I put in my piece, you can't do that because there's no alternative that had the same reach, meaning as great as it is to have Elon Musk take control of X, X only reaches, what is it, 55 million users. Facebook reaches just under 
300 million. So does YouTube. So you can't abandon those platforms. You have to figure out a way to stay on them and make an impact. And that's why I think some of these alt tech services, as much as I like them, they aren't the solution. It is continuing to stay on these platforms and try to win the fight. And there are a lot of powerful local groups. I know like in Michigan, certain counties have their own political pages that are pretty effective. And I think you should be active on there to try to get the result that you want, or most importantly, get out the information the other pages aren't allowing you to put out there. Yeah, I've, I've, I've found that the tactic of setting up Facebook groups and then getting folks to come in and join, ask to join the group, uh, and using that as your jumping off audience, and then that audience can go out and spread the word face to face or person to person, you know, and those kind of things. It helps to uh, uh, to uh, 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 obviate Facebook's suppression of Facebook pages. Like my page uh, is a fan mm -hmm. page uh, at col uh, Rob Manus, uh, Ret, uh, and that page is suppressed while if I go into a group that has 400 people, you can get a lot more traffic of a message by going into a local uh, group that has 400 people in it and get the word spread across an entire congressional district about something uh, before you know it. Uh, and that's pretty impressive. There are ways to do it uh, uh, to get the word out. And I'm going to continue to use it. I post on my fan page. You know, I'm not going to walk away from it. Uh, I put a personal YouTube channel on after they took down my professional channel. Uh, by going back years and years, uh, and any time I mentioned election interference, they, they crushed the videos and eventually gave me uh, three strikes. So anyway, but yeah, uh, great question. Uh, well, Bobby, we're coming to the end of the show, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end here a little bit early, but uh, where can people find you? Thank you so much for your time. Thanks for doing the article. Yeah, of course. And real quick, just um, want to add one more point to that. I love the idea of local because – nobody's mastered that more than who I consider to be the biggest threat to all of us in George Soros, right? So much of his influence and money is invested on the local level. And unfortunately you see the impact. So great question. Uh, but yeah, you can find me on X at Burak Bobby, um, outkick.com. Um, I hop on Sirius XM quite a bit and uh, yeah, you never know, but I always appreciate coming on here, Rob, and uh, love the show. Outstanding. Well, thanks. We'll have you back soon, man. Uh, well, folks, we're going to end uh, with a video of uh, Toby Keith, the patriot who passed away uh, this morning, I believe, early this morning. Uh, he's a great man, really took care of us uh, military types, especially after 9-11. I'll see you tomorrow. It's Whistleblower Wednesday. We got a whistleblowing event out of the Atlanta airport where U.S. military assaulted a state senator because he exposed illegals being housed inside a chapel in the airport. We'll see you tomorrow and here's toby keith god bless you we lit up your world like the fourth of july hey uncle sam put your name at the top of his list and the statue of liberty started shaking her fist and the eagle will fly and it's gonna be hell when you hear mother freedom start
justice will be served.